Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking Survivor 41, Episode 10, Baby with a Machine Gun. Evan, what did you think of this episode? I thought this was a fantastic episode of Survivor, by far the best episode of the season. Um, Beyond that, I thought this was just riveting television. I think this Mm -hmm. was uh, really a great back to basics moment for Survivor, um, both in sort of showing the power of like tribal dynamics, not even tribal dynamics, human dynamics, um, and sort of just putting a camera in front of people. But also I think it was a great sign to the more modern era of Survivor, which tends to, as most listening know, favor advantages and idols and twists and whatnot. This was just a very pure episode of Survivor and showcased, I think, in the best way possible um, that the game kind of without all the bells and whistles really does work. And uh, I I can't say enough good things about this episode. And though I am sad about the outcome, um, it was such a goop. And I think it really uh, cements the the person that went home. It cements their legacy as being one of the all-time greats. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. It was the best episode of the season. And I would even go as far to say as one of the best episodes of Modern Survivor. I think it's really, really fantastic. I think... An episode like this comes along like once in an era. I think back to uh, the Rupert boot in Pearl Islands, maybe the Stephanie boot in Palau. Like it's very rare that we get something like this. And the way that it was edited and presented to us was unique even beyond those episodes that I've mentioned because, I mean, we can talk about this more when we get there, but the edit of that final tribal, the unique music that they used, the uh, slow motion voting confessional, the voting confessional uh, that we get in a revote, all of it was so unusual and was a signal to the audience that something is happening that is more important, quote unquote, than what we would typically see on this show. And I really, really appreciated with that. Like I've said before, they've been playing with the style of editing this season. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. And here I think it really, really worked. Like, you know, thinking back to the Rupert and Stephanie votes, I, I rewatched those to see how were those portrayed to us. And while the episodes themselves uh, were a little bit different in tone, the actual vote was cookie cutter. It was the same as always. Like, I mean, it was that classic voting confessional music, vote reading music and snuffing torch music. Here we had something unique. And the only thing, like, I don't want to be too hyperbolic about this, but the only thing that I could think of that compares is Colleen's vote out in season one. Like, that is the only other episode I can think of. And I'm sure that I'm wrong. I have to be wrong on this. But it's the only other episode that springs to mind where the music and the pacing and the general mood of the actual tribal council and vote reading and torch snuffing was markedly different than the rest of the season. 
Well, they did say drop the four, keep the one. So mm-hmm. maybe this is a callback to their new phrase. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the really fascinating things about this episode, in addition to the lack of sort of bells and whistles, is, as you mentioned, sort of just the craftsmanship of the storytelling. And I think one thing that gets lost often when we talk about either Survivor or just reality television in general, perhaps, is the idea that like story editors actually have a huge job, not just in like picking and choosing which footage to show, but how to then show that footage, what music to underscore it with, um, you know, when to use a reaction shot when someone is speaking versus the shot of the person themselves speaking. And I thought this was just such a masterful episode of television. And if I were to go to someone and be like, why is Survivor still on after 20 plus years? And and is it still any good? And even when you and I have many weeks where we're kind of like, is it still good? This is such a, a great reminder. Like the show still is very capable of its greatness. It has not lost what is great about it. It's sort of like goes down the wrong path from time to time, but it's able to like find its way in moments like tonight, or excuse me, last night's episode. And additionally, I think, and I think about this a lot, and this is not unique to season 41, but how often the pre-merge just really feels inconsequential to the overall arc of the season. And I think that like these past couple episodes as we've moved post-merge have really amped up the drama but in some ways I feel like they're the slog of some of those early episodes actually is coming to inform a lot of uh, what played out last night and so I think that Ricard Shan dynamic which really is a duo that will go down in Survivor history that really was developed since episode one. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the payoff of last night would have been earned had we not gotten some weeks when we got what seemed like rather throwaway moments with them where they're just like, "Mm, they're kind of like not in agreement about genie or or something that felt so small at the time. I actually think that served to really build out this moment so fully in making the boot both about things bigger than the game for sure and explicitly so, but also things within the game that I'm not sure we see duos that are that, that there's that much um, fire behind them that much like, and both from them and then from the audience and sort of like, Will they? Won't they? Do they like each other? Do they? Who's gonna two alphas and who's gonna who's gonna pull out first? It was just really, really satisfying. Yeah, and this is where Survivor is at its best. It's about the social dynamics. I mean, look at yes. this episode once again. All they have to do is look at this episode and realize that they can put their trust in their cast. They can put their trust in the format of their show because this episode, they clearly know that this is one of their great episodes and it has absolutely nothing to do with twists and advantages. I mean, the blind side, maybe part of the blind side, uh, uh, maybe the idol that Shan has in her pocket factors somewhat into the blind side, I would argue it actually only factors into the splitting of the vote, which which, if anything, actually tempers a blind side, in my opinion. It always makes it like, okay, uh, now we have to go through a process of revoting, et cetera, et cetera. And they did their best uh, that they could with that scenario in this episode. But really, ultimately, it was a move that was social and strategic, and the gravitas behind it was really coming from the social dynamic between Ricard and Shan and Liana and Shan. And that's where Survivor really shines. 
One quick thing before we get into the, um, you know, the machinations of the episode itself. I do just want to mention, I had this thought, you know, as we were prepping to record today, where, where I was going to say last night really showcased how much Survivor is not a kid's show, you know, because we keep seeing this Jeff being like, young Survivors, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I'm watching last night and I was like, everything going on here is not for kids. But I want to amend that thought to say, I think that Survivor is totally for kids through a certain lens. But I think one thing that I really tip my hat to uh, with the producers of the show and the story editors, et cetera, is that you can kind of watch it from a lot of different vantage points. And I definitely think there's a version of this show where you are a kid and you're watching it and you love the challenges and you have that you know character you're rooting for and you don't quite know why certain things are happening, but you can kind of follow along. And then you have, you know, Things like last night, some of the conversations that were being had that were incredibly adult and incredibly nuanced. And I really just think it's an incredible thing that the show can appeal to this many demographics and and all of whom can get something out of it, I think is definitely a rarity. It, it makes Survivor something really special. Yeah, I mean, I want to give kids more credit than they're often afforded Sorry. and <laughs> even often afforded from Survivor. Uh, but because I remember being a kid watching Survivor and it was these kinds of episodes that really got me hooked on the show. It was like, oh my God, somebody's going to betray their friendship with somebody else. Like that is a very basic fundamental human thing that we can all understand. And, you know, a little gay kid can stand that Ricard turned on Shan uh, and, and look at that from many, many angles. And I know I did when I was watching the early seasons. So that's a uh, good um, yeah. slogan. A little gay kid can stand that Ricard turned on Shan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss is shaking. Truly. Okay. Let's get into the episode because it was a very meaty episode. And we open with the teams reuniting on Viacana Beach. Of course, they went to tribal in the previous episode in two teams of five, and Nasir and Evie went home. What was interesting here was that we see Ricard explaining to the tribe that he masterminded the Nasir boot and the use of the extra vote. And once again, we see him actively taking steps to make sure that people know that he's the one making the strategic calls in his alliance with Shan, which has been an ongoing story for Ricard since back in the Ua days. Then we see Deshaun and Erica have a, having a conversation about how much of a threat Shan is. And Erica says that Shan with an idol is like a baby with a machine gun and uh, obviously giving us the title of this episode. But let's talk for a minute about Erica's edit here because we're starting to see Erica more and more in the show and particularly delivering some of the key quotes for the show. And I, I don't know if I would argue the baby with a machine gun is a key quote for the show, but I'm thinking back to around the merge, a sort of pre-merge, post-merge, where Erica delivers a whole bunch of sort of speeches about how she had been playing like a lamb and she's ready to start playing like a lion. And I've been seeing a lot of chatter on social media about how this is contributing to a potential Erica winner edit. Yeah, I saw and a lot of that as well. More is going to come up in this episode that I think is going to support that theory. But I'm just wondering what you think of Erica's portrayal in the show thus far. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm aligned in, in the sense that I kind of see that we're building towards making Erica into a bigger player. I could definitely see her going to the end. Um, you know, there's 
multiple challenges and, and things left to play out. Uh, but I don't think that the idea of like Erica as mastermind um, is really supported in the way that it is in the case of like a Ricard, mm -hmm. because though Erica came up with the idea to split the votes last night, which was really important and was a big move, her moves are very contingent on corralling lots of people. And just, it's more or less like Erica presented an idea that that was uh, made everyone's sort of like end game, uh, wor worked for everyone else's end game in a way that to me, like big, big moves from players are when you convince somebody else to do something that doesn't benefit their game, but you make them think that it does. And I don't think Erica was like playing on that sort of like high level, but yeah, she's definitely emerging as a bigger character than before, but not for nothing. A lot of that is because she was not a character for so many episodes. Mm -hmm. So Survivor has this way sometimes of someone will emerge and get lots of screen time and you're like, wow, this Phoenix is really rising from the ashes. But it's like, eh, there aren't ashes, right? Like there there were no ashes, nothing, nothing sort of like blew up at all. So yes, there's certainly more Erica. I definitely can see them building her out to have some sort of, you know, uh, lift off towards the end to go down the line. Um, I don't know what I just said there. Yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, but this to say that I, I don't think we, if we're, if if this is the beginning of the how Erica won story, I will always be someone that would have preferred we got we had a little bit more early on. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm having to read between the lines a little bit on Erica's story. And what I think is interesting about this scene and why I wanted to mention it here was because it's Deshaun going to Erica and talking about getting rid of one of his closest allies. But cast your mind back to the Luvu days when Erica went to Deshaun and said, let's get rid of Sydney, who happened to be one of Deshaun's biggest allies. And Deshaun spent weeks trying to throw challenges just to get Erica out. So something has happened in the meantime, and whether it's solely out of convenience or whether Erica is playing a uh, more aggressive social game that she has been able to win Deshaun's trust back, that he is sort of like breaking off from his alliance to go and talk to Erica in front of Shan, which of course is going to come up in the next uh, scene, I think is notable. And I wish that they were showing a little bit more, especially if indeed Erica is going to go to the end, which I think is questionable at this point, but something's going on with Erica's edit. And I just think it's important for us to be like watching out for it here. So the next day we see Shan and Deshaun having a heart to heart in which Shan sort of like confronts Deshaun saying, you know, what were you talking to Erica about? And he lies to her. It's not a great lie, but it devolves into this conversation where they sort of debate self-interest in the game versus cultural interest in the game and so they sort of talk about playing for yourself and playing to win the million dollars or whether they're playing for as they say the culture referring to the possibility of seeing the all-black alliance go to the final four and being able to duke it out at that point and there's also some confessionals here from Shannon Deshaun, particularly from Deshaun, I thought was really interesting because the whole scene, the whole conversation with Shan is presented in, uh, I'm sure it's very heavily edited, but it's really uh, sort of simply presented and it's like on honest kind of a little bit drawn out scene where they're just, they're just showing us the, the 
conversation that they're having. And Deshaun's confessional is sort of reflecting on this idea of whether he's going to play for himself or whether he wants to do something greater in terms of working with the Black Alliance sort of in a post-2020 world uh, so that fans of Survivor can see this group of Black players uh, making it to the end, succeeding, and playing with each other. And he actually like breaks down in his confessional and starts to tear up uh, because he's being really torn up inside, seemingly, by this uh, internal debate. What did you think of this scene? It's so powerful and... um... I'm really glad that they gave it as much time as they did, um, both in the scene itself and in Deshaun's sort of like reflections around it, especially because it's made all the more complex by the fact that, as you pointed out, Deshaun is lying to Shan earlier in the scene. So like there's this level of deceptiveness of like gameplay happening while also recognizing something that is both bigger than the game itself, but actually very much part of the game. And I think... What makes this conversation even more complex is in comparison to something like Big Brother, because this mandate um, from CBS about casting 50% POC, um, it, it affects both of these shows. These are the first two shows to see it actually in effect. And as we've talked about on the podcast, in the case of Big Brother, there had never been a black winner before. Survivor has had four black winners. Survivor has had black alliances before. So rather, it's not a matter of this being unprecedented on Survivor, but I think in listening to what Deshaun said, it's really about the post-2020 lens of it all and sort of like that aspect of it. So really, it's not so much about Survivor the game and showing that uh, this show can have a black alliance succeed or, or have a black winner. We've seen both of those things but rather it's sort of saying hey the world has changed um, and does that at all affect the way we as black players in this game move through it and I think that is so complex and I'm really really glad that we're having that that conversation on the show and and and, and who knows what the answer is because one argument you can make about if these four move forward uh, you're not putting any of your alliance on the jury to then vote for you so unless you get if you get all four of them through then yes you are guaranteeing a black winner but there's an argument to be made if it really is for the culture for the four of them that it's almost best if the less of them go to the end so that there's more of them to then vote for that winner you can argue both ways. Both have logic. Um, and I think that's one of the fun things both about this game, but in having cast people that understand these multi-pronged dynamics. So I think it was just a, a really great moment for the show, but especially in allowing it to have the space it needed to not pack it and condense it in any way. Yeah, I think we haven't seen a conversation like this on the show in a long time. I saw someone on Twitter sort of harken back to Vesepia and Sean in season four and some of the conversations that they had. And I think this is, again, like, you know, mm. we had the Ricard and Shan dynamic play out in this episode and come to an end. And in this scene, I think we're getting another reason why Survivor is great. You know, it is a microcosm of society. And this is, uh, you know, something that people... Uh, are talking about and it's something that is relevant inside and outside of the game and I just think that the way that the contestants are talking about it is thoughtful and the way that it's being presented to the audience is thoughtful and I think that the show is better for it. 
Right. I And also makes me wonder, too, like we've had, you know, I think about like Nicaragua uh, had a conversation about sort of like trying to corral the people of color into an alliance. And I think there's been several other instances. I would be really curious if there were conversations about uh, race that happened that were cut out of the final edit in the past or just attempts made for black contestants or POC contestants to align on the basis of the color of their skin. And if CBS or the producers came in and said, mm, I don't necessarily uh, we don't want to present this, this will this might seem divisive. And so another thing that I think and again, I have no proof of this, but I think it's great that in a post 2020 world that the show feels compelled to show something like this because there's a world in which we never actually got the behind the scenes we were just kind of told oh the four of them met up all got along really well and decided to form an alliance i'm glad we're getting the necessary context yeah i agree let's go to the reward challenge we are playing for individual reward which is a rarity in modern survivor so nice to see so the survivors are competing for the best reward of the season a luxury night at the Secret Dilemma Island, aka the White Lotus, that we saw in episode three when Sydney, Brad, and Tiffany went to uh, have their own prisoner's dilemma advantage game. And uh, so we return to that location. They will get to eat pizza under the stars, and it's going to be the best reward of the season. Plus, Where they get to it? sleep in a shelter with the blankets and pillows. Where was the pizza? Show us the pizza. They did show us the pizza. They did? Mm-hmm. Oh. We saw them opening boxes. We didn't see what show the pizza Show me my looks brain. Like. <laughs> okay, well, that's, maybe that's what I'm talking about. But I just was like, I want. I like to see the food. Yeah, I know. Uh, so only one player will win, and they'll get to choose, like, seemingly half of the remaining tribe I was going to gonna say, them. can we do away with this sort of, like, only one person's going to win? Pick another. Pick another, pick another, pick another. And it's kind of like, okay, like, yeah, okay. it's too much. It's too much. Um, so best reward of the season. Oh, can I just say real quick? I kind of miss, I think I forget what season it was. I one of the very, very early season. Oh, it was Africa. I'm pretty sure. Um, but the reward was such where everybody got a piece of the reward, but it was scaled in size. It went from like the person mm. at the top got the biggest. And then the last person got like a glass of water. And the person that won the reward had to choose where you sat yes. in sort of like the how much you got. And I, I love that because everyone benefits, but it creates the hierarchy for both the reward, but also the implications of like, oh, you yeah. sort of see me as being third. So I, I just, I, I think that uh, among the areas that I think could be tinkered with, it could be sort of like how the reward plays out. I agree with you. Although I think that that sort of, I think that the way this one played out because Ricard was able to choose so many people sort of had a similar effect. So the players make their way through a series of obstacles and they complete a star-shaped puzzle to win. Ricard wins the reward. He chooses Shan, Heather, and Xander to go with him. Shan and Heather, he says, because they've had no rewards. And Xander, he says, because he's given up the opportunities to play for reward in the past and helped them to get rice by doing so. So I felt like he had good reasons to choose these people. I was shocked he chose Heather. Yeah, but I was maybe it's because I just well. because they're not showing us Heather. We have no idea what her social relationships are like. I mean, maybe maybe she's maybe she is playing the mom role, and people feel indebted to her because she's mom on the island. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's also a world in which Ricard and Heather are closer than we know, mm-hmm. or he might have been strategizing to separate Erica and Heather because they are a duo in the game. So there could have been some strategizing that we 
don't know about. But yeah, I, I too was sort of like, of all people. But hey. Well, you fast forward in the episode, and when Ricard pitches getting Shan out to Xander and Heather, like that's who he's talking to. And he says, right. I'm sure that we could get Erica on board, but he's talking to Xander and Heather. I was just surprised because I would have wanted to separate Danny and Deshaun if I were yeah. Ricard. So I was surprised that he didn't choose one of them, um, not only to solidify his relationship with one of the two of them, but then, yeah, it's just to get them so that they're not together and that they can't strategize. I agree. It seemed like a weird pick, and I feel like there were reasons that went into it that uh, we just don't understand because they haven't been in the show. I mean, what is Ricard's relationship like with Xander? Yeah, that's a good question. Like the last Xander this time- episode? Yeah, the last time we saw them interacting was like Ricard seemingly trying to get Xander to flush his idol, to play his idol unnecessarily a couple of tribal councils ago. So who knows what's going on there? Let's talk about the reward. There are four people at the reward. So Ricard, Shan, Heather, and Xander, and they're enjoying their notoriously bad survivor pizza. As you say, I think we see the boxes open in the like, very first shot but we don't actually see the pizza i'm sure that it's disgusting because it always looks disgusting we get this amazing scene though between shan and ricard i think like the best scene of the episode the best scene of the season i thought it was just done so so well where they're sitting and talking i just thought the whole setup actually of this scene was great because you had them all sitting in a line facing the The light from the fire the light from the fire like and the camera was close in their faces, almost like to the point where it was distorting their faces, this like wide angle camera. And uh, you just see Shan and Ricard talking about their relationship. And Ricard in a confessional says for the first time in the episode that they have never promised each other final two. And they're basically openly talking with Heather and Xander right beside them about how at some point one of them is going to have to take the other out. And uh, Ricard says that Shan can win. Shan says a woman can't beat a man. Ricard says this season's going to be different. And Shan's like, well, you're 2020. it's 2021, so maybe you're right. And the conversation basically ends with them agreeing that it's not the time to come after one another at this point. Then Shan is humming the Shantham. This, now, this is how you bring back the Shantham because mm-hmm. she's just sitting there in the row of people humming the Shantham. Heather <laughs> turns to her and says, what are you singing? And Shan goes, oh, sorry, nothing. I was just thinking. <sighs> I mean, honestly, you could not have scripted a better scene. There was, beyond the text itself, there's so much subtext in this scene and so much to consider uh, both in, in, in not only what they're saying, what they're not saying, and then how the, how they look in that scene, the expressions on their faces. First of all, I want to say to you, not first of all, I want to get a Heather uh, Xander cut of this scene just because I would love to know. You know, like yeah. we're getting this like really deep conversation about the game. There's obviously a conversation happening next door. I would have loved just like the Heather Xander cut, the 10-minute version. Um, 
that would have been really appealing to me. But yeah, it was it was a fantastic scene. And I think the other thing I really liked about it was so often with duos on this show, there is the person in power and sort of the alpha and the beta, right? And I think one of the great things about um, Xander, one of the great things about Ricard and Shan, and one of the reasons I think they will go down in Survivor history is because of, and we I mentioned this earlier, but they just are two alphas who neither of which are seem more powerful than the other. It really, they both really uh, hold their ground in a lot of ways. And it's just really awesome to see because we don't get that a lot. They're both likable. Uh, I would be happy with either of them winning the game. I think they would both be great ambassadors of the show. It's just... Um, it's Survivor at its best. This was definitely my favorite scene in the episode, my favorite scene in the season, probably my favorite scene in several seasons. I mean, this was just so exciting to watch. Um, and I really didn't know where we would go from there because you leave the scene being like, okay, they said not now. If I were either of them, my I would run back to camp and be like, okay, it's gotta be now. And yet I did kind of believe that they were both genuine in that moment. Like, I don't even know. If I, part of me believes even Ricard in that moment was mm -hmm. being genuine and then had a realization, you know, the next morning or something or after conversations. But that's the great thing about that scene. It's like, who's to know who was playing the game and who was just speaking a truth? That was the truth at that moment. Anyway, loved, loved, loved it. Yeah, and I think what I can't convey just by giving you the dialogue that they were, you know, sharing in that moment is there is a chemistry between these two that you cannot you cannot define, you cannot like put your finger on it, but it is just like electric and there's like both of them are like borderline holding back tears when they're just discussed they're just discussing their relationship and it's not contentious at this point and there just seems to be such a reverence between the two of them and a love between the two of them that I think makes their relationship so special and it's like to have these two dynamic people who are both stars of this show in their own rights be working together and have such clarity on the game and th their relationship to the game and their relationship to each other and just being able to openly talk about that without it devolving into something really chaotic yet um, is so refreshing and just like I've like to me they are both all-stars they they belong on a uh, a themed season of like villains versus villains or like something well i was just yeah i was just dynamic thinking about duos that, I, I was thinking of the times that we've had like the two returning player seasons and everything and it's like you know you look at either stephanie and bobby john or in the case of like ozzy and coach when like those pairs really had nothing no real like dynamic about them and then in the case of the russell rob it just was that they didn't like each other mm -hmm. whereas with these two, they both love each other and fear each other and want each other gone. It, there's so much happening. And I appreciated it from both of them, their willingness to play the game. Because, and, and this is a bigger conversation, but in the case of Liana, you have someone who's sort of like opting out of the game. And that is 
for her, that it's definitely her choice and she is entitled to it, of course. But I think it's really exciting in the case of Ricard and Shan that they can acknowledge some of the some of the greater meanings of these moves while also saying, and I'm going to make them. Yeah. While the reward's going on, back at camp, Danny approaches Deshaun and says that they have to take out Ricard because he's becoming way too big of a threat to win the game. He keeps winning these individual challenges and he's well-liked and he's well-positioned. And Deshaun likes the plan, but says if they're going to carry it out, they're going to have to do it without Shan. So their plan is to blindside Shan by voting out Ricard. And once he's gone, she'll basically have no options uh, but to continue working with them moving forward. So it's kind of like a best case scenario for them. They approach Liana and this exchange is iconic. Danny says, somebody's gaining a lot of steam. Who is that? Liana says, Shan? Danny, no. Liana, Erica? Danny, no. Liana, Ricard? Uh Uh-huh. It's like this is the second or third time that Liana just like has been asked a question with an easy answer and cannot land on it. And in doing so, reveals her hand. Exactly. And so Liana acts like she's on board with the plan. And in a confessional, she says that the move would help her to differentiate her game from Shan's game and could be a big move for her because I think Liana's starting to get a little bit worried that if she's sitting next to Shan in the end, she cannot win. And I think she wants to sit next to Shan in the end. Even, again, trying to think this through from Liana's perspective, that move would still be credited to Danny and Deshaun who Mm -hmm. came up with it. Mm -hmm. So it's like even her attempt even her bad attempt at differentiating herself from Shan would not be something she would take the credit for. So continuously sloppy gameplay. Yeah. I did love in her confessional, she's crying and talking about her relationship with Shan and saying like, you know, we just bonded so much. And ever since I met her and we were on top of that gigantic hill, (laughs) that was a great way to describe the, the mountain. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so Shan returns from, they were calling it Sanctuary Island, the Survivor Sanctuary. Uh, They return from Survivor Sanctuary, Shan goes to Liana, and Liana tells her about the secret plan to vote out Ricard. Shan and Liana agree that it's not the time for Ricard to go, and they decide to target Deshaun for coming up with this plan. Shan goes and tells Ricard that Danny and Deshaun are gunning for him, and that they should go after Deshaun instead. And this, again, is a great and interesting scene between Ricard and Shan because Ricard doesn't take the news all that well. And he says that he needs some space to think. Like, he's clearly just shaken up about it. And Shan's a little bit like, no, like, I want to talk strategy right now. And he's like, I need to go be alone. And they're kind of not having a meeting of the minds. And I think in a slip up from Ricard, he says to Shan, I'm surprised you would even tell me. And then, I mean, like at this point, she's crying and she's saying, what do you mean? You're surprised I would tell you like we've been together since day one. We're best friends in this game. At that moment, Shan's alarm bells should have been going off. But they weren't because I think she's so they're both so deep in this personal relationship which is what makes this so fascinating. And that's why it's ultimately a satisfying ending in the sense of by her alarm bells are not going off and Ricard's going off, even despite his slip up there in, in sort of revealing that, it showed that 
if if you know if we're talking about who is the better player, I think that moment cemented the fact that Ricard is a better player than Chan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the immunity challenge. The players have to stand on a narrow beam while balancing a ball on a disc, and as time progresses, they have to move down the beam to more and more narrow portions of it and move their hands down lower on the pole that is balancing the ball. This is a challenge they've done many, many times and is the farthest thing from riveting you could imagine. (laughs) The challenge comes down to Deshaun, Xander, and Ricard, and finally Ricard wins immunity it's his second individual immunity. And there's this great moment where he says, wait, did, did I win? And yeah, so I'm just like proud of Ricard for becoming a little bit of a challenge beast here. I mean, it might be that he has to start going on an immunity run after tonight's episode. So hopefully mm. he's got it in him. We go to some pre-tribal strategizing. So Shan wants Erica out. Shan tells the Black Alliance to plus Ricard that she would like them all to vote Erica and not tell Xander a name in the hopes that he plays his idol because he thinks it's him. However, Ricard, Ricard decides it's time for Shan to go. And this is where the episode, I think, really takes a turn because that confessional from Ricard where he says it might be time for Shan to go is like there's a musical cue in there. Mm-hmm. that just like turns right and it, and it's all the transition shots are of like a typhoon or like a storm rolling in and like this is where we really amp it up to next level survivor and i do just want to say this is one of the great things about survivor 2 was in that moment and because of the musical cue that you just mentioned i knew shan was going because it was just erica was never going to go in this episode but it doesn't matter because, right, it's like even – and I mean, I had no proof, but it's like even if I thought for sure Shan was going home, it really was about how were we going to get there and what was her reaction going to be and what was Liana's reaction going to be. So I think so often people put the weight in sort of like the um, the blind side of it all, but I actually think like building out to figuring out how they were going to pull it off, that to me was the drama of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think it's interesting here that Shan is pitching to the Alliance to get Erica out because right before Immunity, we saw her targeting Deshaun for throwing Ricard's name out there. And I don't know what happened to that plan. Right. Because also, we, we end up seeing Liana and Shan vote for Erica. So they abandoned the Deshaun plan. Also, shouldn't they have split the votes between Xander and Erica, the five of them? I mean, like in Shan's plan, in which she thought that they had the five of them together, why wouldn't they just put three votes on Xander and two? Unless they, I mean, maybe in their mind they thought the other three were aligned, and if the person that they put the three on used, if they put three on Xander and he used, the, I mean, okay, yes, this is getting complicated, but I just felt like there was a lack of there. More could have gone into Shan's sort of yeah. Plan. I agree. And maybe more did that we just didn't see because it became something else. But I do agree. And maybe it's also because, you know, if Ricard's not helping Shan out with the strategizing, like, you know, he pitched the use of the extra vote. He, you know, seemingly pitched a whole lot of moves back on Ua. Uh, You know, maybe without that, the plans are a little bit more simple. Now, it's not saying anything about Shan's gameplay. I think she's a great game player, but I think the two of them together are the ones that come up with these more complex plans. 
Can I pause real quick while I'm thinking about it? So right now, outside of Xander with his idol and his extra vote, who has advantages? Shan has an idol. Well, she's gone. Oh, That's sorry. It. I mean, I, I mean, sorry. I mean. Oh, like, now, you know, now. I think yeah, the yeah, only now, two now. are Xander. So it's just Xander. Okay, so yeah, the yeah. the game has really become quite pure, despite the fact that we were so challenge advantage heavy. And an uh, idol has not been played this season. Like, can mm. you believe that? Yeah. Bum bum bum. Okay. So, Ricard tells Xander that he doesn't need to play his idol tonight. Ricard tells Heather and Xander that the three of them, plus Erica, can blind, blindside Shan, and they are on board. However, they only have four votes, and they need one more. So, Ricard does something that I think is so brilliant. He goes to Deshaun and tells him that Shan told him about their plan to vote Ricard out. He doesn't go to Deshaun and say, Hey, Deshaun, now's the time to make a move against Shan. He goes to Deshaun and says, I want you to know that your ally told me something, you know, that was told to her in confidence. Yeah. It's really just like deteriorating the relationship between Deshaun and Shan so that when Deshaun decides to vote for Shan, it feels like it's his decision. You know, right. and I think that that's always the fine line that you have to walk on Survivor. It's like, and we see this again where Erica and Heather go to Danny, and they pitch the idea of splitting the votes, which is a very basic, fundamental move in Survivor. So again, like I don't know how much credit needs to be given to Heather and Erica here, but the credit is deserved in that they pitch it to Danny in such a way that Danny thinks it's his idea. And if you go back and watch that scene, you can see how they did that. What is curious about this vote is that Xander trusted Ricard because, uh, you know, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier, where we don't quite know their relationship. But you would think if you're Xander in this situation in which you're clearly uh, on the outs and Ricard comes up to you and is like, don't use your idol. Yeah. I don't know if I would just be like, oh, okay, I won't. Like, I would think, "Mm, I think I need to use it. So whatever whether there might be more trust between the two of them that we don't know but i think xander definitely it seemed like xander was taking a big risk and not using his idol and that was never sort of like talked about i I would i could have used so xander got no confessionals at all last night and i could have used something from xander just explaining his perspective on the vote so something's going on here you're absolutely right i think xander sees himself as closer to Ricard than we would ever know. And the reason I say this is because I watched the secret scene that was released. I just watched it this morning. Um, So there was a secret scene released by Entertainment Weekly, as there is every week. It's a deleted scene that doesn't make the episode. This one was quite lengthy. It was like over three minutes long. And it was about Xander going out to look for an idol after Nasir was voted out. So they thought maybe Nasir's idol is getting replanted. And so Xander, it's actually like a great scene that should have made it into any other episode, but we just had too much to cover in this episode. So Xander goes out idol hunting early in the morning and Liana is on his tail to the point where like anytime he puts his hand into anything, she is tackling him. Like she pushes him over at one point. They're literally on top of each other the whole time. And what's interesting is that Xander goes, okay, I know how to get to Liana because Liana is self-conscious that Shan is making all the moves. So I'm going to go back to Shan and ask Shan to tell Liana to leave me alone. Basically like going to mom. So he goes to Shan, who is with Ricard, and says, 
Shan, Liana won't leave me alone. Like, can you like get your little friend under control here? And Shan and Ricard are basically like mom and dadding Xander and Liana here. And they say to the group, we're all working together. We don't need to be fighting like this because we're all in this together. So that signals to me that Xander believes he has something with this group of Shan, Ricard, and Liana. But like, why? Why? I know. I know. I just, I wish we knew more about this because this scene was like actually hilarious and riveting and was so yeah, illuminating was in terms say. of like the social dynamics that, and, and, and they all agree. They're just like, okay, yeah, you're right. We are working together. Like, let's move on with this. Mm. So, so we're missing something here. And I think that that has to be playing into why Xander's trusting Ricard in this situation. Right. Also, one last thing about, so Xander not getting any confessionals last night. Um, neither did Heather. And thus, uh, last night's episode featured all POC uh, confessionals. I don't know if it's the first time in Survivor history. Oh. I would speculate it is, but I'm, I can't confirm that much. But yeah, it was all POC. And even just to look at the tribal and see uh, six POC and two white players and see this majority POC in the, in the final eight, it's just like exciting to see this show evolving. You're telling me Heather didn't get a confessional? Uh, yeah okay so this is basically where it lands uh, is that we believe that i mean we're gonna see whether heather and erica and ricard were able to get danny and deshaun on board to vote shan out but it's kind of feeling like that's what's gonna happen and so we go to tribal and at tribal the narrative is really around the bottom feeders flipping on the top Right. So Jeff talks to the group about who's on the bottom and Xander and Heather and Erica feel like they're on the bottom and that there may be an opportunity to make a move by banding together and getting somebody out at the top. Ricard also talks about his relationship with Shan and once again says we have not made a final two deal. And I think this is so interesting because Shan's like, yeah, he's right. Like, why haven't they made a final two deal? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's especially a really if like they're openly thing. talking about it at that point. It's like it's a decision to not make. It's like it's a decision to not make one at this point. Like they have actively by not making one, they are basically saying, "I will knock you out." At it's some just point, just a matter of when. So in that sense, it's like again surprising that Shan would not have set her. What did Eric, what's the name of the episode? She has a shotgun or a. Baby with a machine gun. Machine gun. It's interesting then that Shan would not direct uh, Baby's machine gun at Ricard, knowing what we are talking about right now. The fact that they do not have a final two. And if you do not have a final two, then you're going to have to take them out at some point before then. And it's really strange. Like, I feel like this was a mistake from Shan to not make a final two with Ricard because Shan got herself into this four-person Black Alliance, which seemed really tight up until this episode, uh, up until like kind of a couple episodes ago. But so I think one big question then with Ricard that will need to be addressed at some point is was if that would have been presented or maybe it was and we didn't see it. But if that had been presented, would Ricard have done a final two with Shan? Yeah, that is a good question. Maybe Ricard didn't want the final two with Shan. Hmm. I mean, we saw him say, I think you could beat me. Um, But I just think it's weird that Shan got herself into this tight four-person alliance, which needed Ricard as an extra vote, but he was not being guaranteed anything beyond it. 
Yeah. And so, of I, course, like that that's a recipe for him to turn on her. Yeah. Can I say one other thing? And, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, down the line. But I think one of the other really interesting things about this, uh, the Black Alliance, is the gender dynamics I- implicit within it. And this idea that you have like two men and two women. And both of the two women are kind of like have this sub alliance. And both of the two men have this sub alliance. And so I think on top of like the racial dynamics at play on this season is just the gender dynamics, which we often see on this show. And sort of the fact that like Liana has this loyalty to Shan, not just because she is black but because she is a black woman they have even more in common and in what ways do we ingratiate ourselves to others when we recognize that we have like multiple intersectional points of identity i think that is like super duper fascinating Mm -hmm. and shan was set up so well in that alliance because she had that tight she had that tight thing with liana but she also had the tight thing with ricard and i think that if she had like if they had made a final three deal together, like there had to be some other layer of that four-person alliance that that gave Shan a safety net that she didn't seemingly didn't set up. Right. So anyways, back to Tribal. Jeff says it's 41 seasons in and he's still learning how the game works. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> so Liana's not the only one. Does that say more about the game or more about Jeff? <laughs> yeah. So they vote. Uh, We get three votes on Liana, three votes on Shan, and two for Erica. So I guess Shan and Liana went with the Erica plan and really did not see this one coming because Shan didn't play her idol. They re-vote, and the edit really shifts here. Like I said before, we get this like special emotional music, a slow-motion voting shot, and a confessional from Ricard saying... We always said when the time was right, we would give each other permission to do this. Oh, that really hit home. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, Shan goes home. On her way out, she says, Ricard, you have my vote for a million dollars. Deshaun, you're a snake. I can't remember another vote out like this. As I said, I just like want to, I know there's a lot to talk about here, but just the way that this was presented to us survivor knows that shan is an all-star she's an icon of the game she's going to go down in history as one of the all-time favorite players it, even if she's not the best best player i mean she you know she came in eighth place but <laughs> she is going to be an all-star you know for the rest of this show and you definitely like want to see shan play again like it's Mm -hmm. it's exciting to see what shan's re-upped game would be and like she's a phenomenal player of this game in addition to being an interesting character i mean shan really is she's the full package what i was gonna say is i feel like her comment to ricard if i were ricard to kind of be like uh i wish you wouldn't say that Mm -hmm. in front of the seven other people currently in the game it's like as complimentary as i think she intended it to be it puts uh another target on ricard to say oh Oh, here's a jury member, a fresh jury member who has let it be known to everyone who she is voting for. Can I interrupt you? We have a voicemail about that. Okay, great. So we have a voicemail about Shan's comments to Ricard on her way out. Hi, this is Julie from San Francisco. I love tonight's episode. There is so much to unpack. I'm really excited to hear you two talk about it tomorrow. 
I have so many questions, but I'll just stick with one, is when Shan told Ricard that he had her vote, was it a gesture of goodwill or was it a kiss of death to get revenge on him? Love to hear your response. Mm. Julie, you're becoming a familiar voice on this podcast. I definitely think it was uh, a gesture or intended as a gesture of goodwill. I don't think she did it in any sort of calculated way. uh, But I think for many of us watching, we probably had that same instinct. Yeah, I think that just the interactions between Ricard and Shan that we saw as the vote was coming in. I mean, they held hands. He said, I'm sorry. She said, I love you. Uh, Or he said, I love you, I think. And she said, it's okay. And then, you know, she says this comment, I think it was coming from uh, a good place in her heart. I don't think she realized what she was doing, which was maybe giving him the kiss of death. Because, I, I mean, I think she's so caught up in her own emotions at that time that she's not thinking about the game. Uh, but anybody left is like, oh, Ricard's got Shan's vote. Okay, well, that makes this easy then. Right. What I was going to say, too, before the voice message, I, I am curious if uh, Deshaun does go to the end. If, uh, you know, because sometimes those bitter feelings that one has um, the night that they're voted off can subside in Ponderosa with time and space. And I have to believe that, like, if, if if Deshaun is in the final three with two players that, you know, let's say Deshaun is in the final three with Heather and Erica, two players Shan is not fond of, I have to believe that Shan would see past all of her, the frustrations with her oust and, and say she's going to vote for Deshaun in the end. But I'd be curious to see if she'd stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, she says this now, but so much can change when you're on the jury. She may become quite bitter about the fact that Ricard turned on her. Uh, she may respect Deshaun's gameplay. She may respect Danny's de- gameplay. She may want to vote for Liana in the end if Liana's sitting there because she was her closest friend who never betrayed her. Uh, I think there's so many variables of what could happen and how she could be influenced by the other jury members. Yes. I also just want to point out real quick, I, I think that like Shan's impact on this season cannot be overstated. And I think one of the things is how many winners do you forget? You know, how many winners do not make an impression at all? Sure, they win a million dollars. But to me, the real win of this game is like making an impact on the viewer and the producers enough to want you back. And it is without question that Shan will be back on this show. And so no matter who wins the end of this season, I really do think Shan just dominated this season in such an exciting way. And I, 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 yes, we have tons of all-stars on this show, but I think one of the things many of us question is like, who is called an all-star? You know, we have mm-hmm. Haley coming back for Game Changers, for instance, and it's like, huh? But mm-hmm. like, Shan is unquestionably an all-star. And if we get Heroes versus Villains too, it's like, I think Shan would go on the Villains tribe, but like, there's an mm-hmm. argument about Shan as the hero. And I think having that dynamism is so rare. And I just want to take a moment to like, like, tip my hat to Shan, a player who I kind of middled on for a bit, but I think that was just uh, me sleeping on what was in front of me all along. Yeah. I'm not sure that we have anybody left, save Ricard, who will be a winner that could be as good as Shan. I think if Ricard doesn't win, Shan eclipses whoever the winner is. I want Ricard to win so bad. Me too. Me too. <sighs> I don't, it's going to be a tough path for him, but. I know, but like, not impossible. If he can stick with like Heather and Erica and Xander, they may be able to go. And those are great people to bring to the end. 
Uh, look at how, look at the jury's reaction to Xander. First of all, they are yeah. pissed about Xander. I don't think Xander has any jury votes at this point. Oh, I do. I think that will go away. You sure? I don't. Uh, think no, I'm so. not sure. But I just I feel like I don't know. They seem they they don't seem to respect him at all, and they don't but seem like, to respect the other players for keeping him in. But the so argument, maybe that's a complicating factor. This is getting ahead of ourselves. But the argument for Xander is that he was always playing from the bottom, and I think that people tend to respect people that make. Sort of like, I think he made some callous moves throughout the game, but the idea is that's like he was always making those moves because he had nowhere to turn. Anyway, longer conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get to some voice memos. Uh, we've got a handful of them, so let's just start going through them. Hi, Sean and Evan. Uh, this is Patrick from Tasmania, Australia. Uh, just want to thank you for the epic podcast. It's the reason why I've gotten back into Survivor after a 10 year hiatus. Um, my unsung hero would have to be Cheyenne from Thailand and All Stars. If you mess with the She-Devil, you get the horns. Um, I think we just need to talk about that slow motion camera use of the final vote for Shan. Absolute poetic stab in the back by the tribe tonight. Um, personally, Danny's boring me to tears. He's got to go and I'm all for Xander for the win. Us long-haired himbos got to stick together. Uh, love you guys heaps. Tasmania. Shout out. Uh, we love Shean. We love Shean. Um, <laughs> it's just hearing some of these names, it's like in my head, I'm like, oh my God, let's go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we talked about the slow motion shot, but I think, yeah, I think it was the show signaling to us, the viewer, that the emo, it's sort of like validating the emotion that we were feeling in this felt like a bigger elimination than usual. It kind of reminds me of like some of those drag race, race exits um, when you have an all-star season and a really, really big, big queen goes out early and they kind of, the show grants them a little bit of grace and recognizing that they're, the show itself is losing something and losing that player. It felt like this. The show recognized that they had an all-star on their first mm -hmm. season out. Okay, let's hear from Caden. So you'll remember Caden gave his unsung player as Aaron from Token Chains. Yes, and I remember I called him Caleb. Yeah, Sorry, Caleb. I don't have his follow-up to that, although he did send one, but the gag was that he hadn't actually watched Token Chains. Oh my god. <laughs> he just liked Aaron. <laughs> so uh, we can follow up with that uh, after he watches Token Chains, but he does have something to say about this episode. So let's hear from Kaden. So I wanted to throw something in. I haven't finished the episode yet. I'm at the immunity challenge and I know Shan is going home. I got a spoiler tonight. Um, but while people may say that her game was not as great because she came out really hard from the beginning, I think her social game is one of the best we've ever seen. She has two people willing to go outside the game for her, like with Ricard and... Um, Liana, I think that's super impressive, and I'm sure it's going to turn against her tonight because obviously she goes home, but I'm super impressed with her right now. Like, that's incredible. She has to return for a new all-star season. If she can just fine-tune some stuff, she will make it to the end, no problem. Yeah, I thought that this was really interesting, that conversation with Liana where Liana says, look, we have bonded on such a level that this is beyond the game, and I would lose for you, basically. And uh, I mean, I think that speaks to maybe Liana's greenness 
in the game and in life maybe but i also think it speaks to shan's ability to work people i mean we've seen this the entire season she has a way with people that you cannot like quite put into words because it's it's about uh, a chemistry that she has with people and i mean i don't think that ricard was willing to go beyond the game but i do think that this connection they had was something special that is rarely rarely seen in the show and so like yeah she does she has what it takes to win she just as he said needs to fine tune some things in her game i think hey sean and evan evan and sean my name is brian and i'm from vancouver bc canada love the pod love you both um just wanted to check in about that weird uh, steep and sharp winner's edit that Erica got tonight on uh, Survivor. It's a little bit concerning considering Erica has not really done much um, strategy-wise thus far in the game. Aside from <laughs> smashing an hourglass and turning back time. Um, so, yeah, it was just weird to see her getting some sort of mastermind edit for something that is very uh, straightforward in the game now, like splitting votes. Uh, it's just a little bit weird, and I feel like production is obviously doing it for a reason. Um, so just wondering what your thoughts about it are. Um, again, love the pod. Talk soon. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit, but I think if anything, it's clear to me that Erica is going to the final three and that they are just setting enough up so that I think one thing, part of the reason why we have a final three and not a final two in Survivor is that Survivor does not like when a player advances to the final three and there's sort of nothing in there, um, nothing on their resume because mm-hmm. it just makes for an obvious vote. You know, it's going to be that that person's essentially uh, the goat, right? So I think what the show is trying to do is just trying to give Erica a little bit more story, but it felt a little... It remind it, it, you could view it through the lens of the same way I felt about the the Heather the the sort of like the way that they treated Heather early on in the season during that one challenge where it can be a little bit patronizing. Whereas it's like these are so small of moves that Erica made, and they're giving it so much sort of like deference mm-hmm. that I actually think it almost like has the worst effect had they not given her the credit um, because it's kind of like you know it's just very kid gloves is the way it comes off to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Like I said before, I think something must be going on with Erica that we're not seeing in terms of her social game because there has to be a reason that she continues to be targeted week after week, especially by somebody like Shan, who is a very strategic player and has been able to take out threats. So obviously they're recognizing something in Erica that we're not seeing. And I think the show is starting to have to work overtime to make up for what they haven't shown us. Okay, hi, I'm gonna try, try to make this one a lot shorter than last week's. Um, didn't take it personally, that was cut from the show, but I do, you guys are now on the list. Um, uh, favorite underrated survivor on my mind right now is Susie from Gabon. She was only one vote away from Blue's winning, and she did a game-altering decision flipping on the onions, and I don't think she gets enough credit and lost to probably the worst survivor winner ever. Uh, my question is, last night's episode was amazing. There was no twist, it was all socially based drama. Um, which is why this comment stood out to me from Liana, who's getting a lot of hate online, um, when she was talking to sh- about Shan, and she says, this goes beyond game. To me, I feel like it's, the survivor is a game of social bonds and trust and stuff like that, and so her devotion to Shan seems 
entirely within game, but I think it just speaks to how mutated the game has gotten to like prove strategy bona fides. And I was wondering what you guys thought of that. It, does it go beyond game? I think there's a, a certain extent to which it always goes beyond the game because if you're playing the game right, you are forming real relationships. But I don't think that you sacrifice your game for that. But does that we've make sense? Seen this, we, yeah, but we've seen this happen before with Chelsea uh, with Kim in mm. in one world uh, where someone was essentially like I've developed a friendship on this island that means more to me than this million I think first of all for anyone putting hate out towards Leon on the internet go get fucked like just the idea that you would like target a player in a, it's a it's a game I, I that that's deplorable anyway do I think Liana made the best decision no. Do I think Liana made the best decision for herself? Perhaps. And I think what I just want to articulate here is like, it's so easy to be the armchair viewer of this show. I mean, that's literally our jobs. Um, and I think that Liana, for it, it's a personal decision. She feels compelled to play the game the way she is playing it because of a relationship that she formed. Um, I just don't, I can't really judge a player for for the for for this particular move just because i think it is so circumstantial and again we're not seeing the full liana shan relationship in bloom through the edit um but i can totally see a world in which i go i mean i go on a show like this meet a friend for life and like that that's that on that and i'm happy so yeah. yes i think for a lot of like the gamers out here like yes liana's not playing a good game of survivor but Liana's playing a game for herself, and that kind of game is not a win-lose game. Yeah, 100%. Like, I will say, I, I know I've given Liana some shit in terms of, like, her gameplay on this podcast. But I will say that I 100% would do the exact same thing if I was on the show. Like, I would for sure be like, oh, like, you're my best friend. And, like, whatever. We're having this fun experience. I don't need a, like, I never expected to win a million dollars. I'm probably not going to win a million dollars. Yeah. Like, at least I have you, and, like, we're going to be friends for life. And take me um, on a reward. Yeah, I don't think that that's like a good way to play, but that's I can see where she's coming from. That would have been me if I ever played with Angelina. I would just be like, yeah, like <laughs> let's just hang. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we just have a few more. Hi, Sean. Hi, Evan. This is Kevo. I am your biggest fan in Iowa, which is occupied Meskwaki land. Um, my favorite unsung hero is, I think, Big Wendy Diaz from Edge of Extinction. I have to stand all of the chicken guardians from the history of the show, but like Wendy especially was like such a light and an inspiration to watch. And in terms of who would play Heather in the movie of her life, I'm really torn between Kathy Bates for the physical typecast and like Ali Larder for this hot vixen energy that I'm really starting to get from Heather, which I absolutely love. But I want to talk briefly about a concept we use a lot in academia and in medicine called the minority tax, which is this implicit expectation and burden that we put on minoritized individuals that they have to be responsible not only for their own success but also the success of all the people they quote unquote represent i think that we're seeing a form of that um clearly playing out in the decisions this episode of like do i still play for the black alliance even to the extent that like liana says like do i play for shan to my own detriment or do I play for myself? I am of the opinion that for any minoritized person, playing for oneself 
is a valid form of, like in their words, doing it for the culture. Ultimately, I, I think that the Black Alliance this season should absolutely be celebrated for forming in the first place, but I think that we can also celebrate any individuals who were part of the Alliance for ultimately choosing themselves in the end. Okay, that's all I have to say. I love this podcast so much. Thank you both for your thoughts and providing this space. Bye. Chef's kiss. Uh, uh, it's I, a lot I to think, unpack there. Yeah, I don't have too much to add because you articulated it all so well, but I will just say I do hope that the four members of the Black Alliance uh, do some sort of whether it be podcast or or long form discussion talking about what you just said and considering um, the concept that you presented, this idea of like uh, that one can be doing it for the culture by doing it alone. Um, and also there's a world, a way in which you play this game in which you're uh, more a voting block than alliance with someone, which is to say like, I want to keep you around, but like, and we can, we can do these votes together, but like, I'm not making a final two with you. Although that can, you know, put a target on you if they think you're can't be trusted. All this to say, I think that's really interesting. I would really like to hear from the players more. I'm also curious about how much discussion was being had. Um, you know, and even we talked about this too. It's like in the case of Ricard and Erica are also POC. So were there any kind of conversations happening with the six of them or with Erica and Ricard? I just would be very interested in um, the aspects of racial identity and the conversations around it that we're not seeing on the show. Yeah, Kevo said it as best as... Uh anybody could so I'm not going to add a whole lot but I do want to say that Kevo hosts a Twitter space uh, where a queer Twitter space where they talk about Survivor on uh, Tuesday nights called Idle Talk and I have been tuning in the past few weeks uh, and it's really wonderful so I was excited that Kevo sent in a voice memo and if you like hearing queer people talk about Survivor, you might mm. want to check that out as well. We sure do. Okay. Now, wait we one just... second. Kathy Bates, Allie Larder, mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know if we quite landed on it, so I'd like to continue this casting process. Well, if we've got another like... one, Evan. Oh. We've got another one. Got another option here. Spoke too soon. Hey, Sean. Uh, Johnny from Portland by way of New Jersey right now. Just listening to your pod. Heather would be played by Jillian Bell from Brittany Renza Marathon, 22 Jump Street. She is so funny, that actress. Anyway, that's who would play Heather, for sure. Love the pod, great episode this week. Ugh, you you helped me like it more. Anyway, bye. That was from like last week. Johnny, I love that you would call in, my own friend Johnny just called in and did not acknowledge (laughs) me, just hi Sean, hi Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Um, aligned on the Jillian Bell front, the only issue is she's too young. I feel like she could play Heather's younger sister, but we are totally aligned. Like, that is phenomenal casting. I just think maybe, like, maybe in the biopic, she plays, like, Heather for a part of her life. Um, so we're inching closer. <laughs> okay, one final voice memo. Hey, Sean and Evan, this is Liz from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Um, my unsung player, well, I don't know if she's my unsung player, but I'm currently watching season 26, Fans versus Favorites, and Francesca just got voted out first for the second time, and I would have loved to see what she had to offer. She just seemed like such a cool person. Love to have seen more of her. Um, anyway, 
I was just curious now that both of your original picks for the winner have been voted off for season 41, who do you see going all the way? Who are you backing now? Thanks. Love the podcast. Well, my pick was JD, so I've had a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> Wait, so uh, who are we? Wh- sorry, is it who do we think is going to win or who do we think is going to the end? Who do we think is going to win? Okay, so I definitely think Liana is going to the end and not winning. Um, I think, I think Ricard's going to win. I just do. That's my pick. Okay, I, I'm very behind that pick. I have no optimism that I'm going to get my way ever when it comes to Survivor. So, so I am conditioned to believe that the person I want to win is not going to win because it hasn't happened in many, 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 many years. Um, so I am going to say Erica. I'm really big on this theory of the Erica winner edit. This whole narrative of playing like a lion, pounds like... I don't think she played like a lion this week, but maybe she's ready to pounce next week. I mean, we saw her targeting uh, Ricard in the next time on Survivor. And like, that's a that's an interesting move to like get Ricard on board or join Ricard in taking out his biggest ally and then eliminating him. Um, That would be like, didn't that happen to War Dog? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that could be interesting. I I do think that there is a narrative being set up for Erica that if not winner, then runner up potentially uh, to Ricard. Uh, It's so hard to say. I mean, like, I'm going to pick Erica. She's from Toronto. I'm from Toronto. I would love to see a Toronto girl take it home. There's only one left in the game now. So uh, I'm backing Erica. Okay, one last quick voice memo, just 13 seconds. This is from my mother. I have not listened to it. <laughs> it just came in. My mother is on her third week of watching Survivor for the first oh time God. ever. She is hooked. Um, she was a big Evie fan, so she was very sad that they are no longer um, in the game. Uh, and so I, the prompt was just uh, asking for my mom's thoughts on Shan's elimination. I was shocked by her elimination initially as she was such a powerful and interesting player but now in retrospect i think it makes sense because she was too powerful and too much of a threat okay you heard it she here figured first. it out she's amy spiegel yeah. yeah and she's not wrong so yeah i think in conclusion <laughs> i think this i mean the fact that we had so much to say had so many voice memo- memos about it just goes to show this was the survivor that we came for and i really think it's just a reminder that although I miss the good old days of this show, um, it the show still knows how to fire on all cylinders. And so how exciting. There's something I forgot is that uh, multiple voice memos mentioned their favorite unsung player and I forgot to comment on it. One, Susie from Gabon, iconic, love her, uh, all time great, should return. I mean, when she told Corinne that she was going to vote for her, <laughs> iconic. I wanted Susie, Susie to win. Like, I was really backing Susie to win in that final tribal. Yeah. Okay. Number two, uh, Franquessa. I feel really bad for her. I don't know that I need to see her again or see what she had. But, like, that was, you know, she got the short end of the stick there. Also, but I'm so sorry that, that she went home twice. Yes. Also, I'm so sorry that you're watching Cambodia. That is, yeah. uh, you're really uh, brave. <laughs> uh, finally, Big Wendy. What a character. Here's something I have to say. Look, I really enjoyed watching Wendy. Um, But what I didn't like about the chicken stuff was that it didn't make any sense. 
And I felt like it was the first time in Survivor history that we saw somebody playing for the Sia money. And she didn't get it. I also just, I mean, I always go for an underdog on this show, but with Wendy, it's like, she just wasn't playing the game. And it became frustrating after a while to be like, there were so many situations in which she was able to get the target off her back by no doing of her own. And it was like, okay, you finally have the opportunity to like, work with Rick Devins or, or, you know, move your way through this game and she just refused. And then, you know, then she quit at Shipwheel, not Shipwheel, and then she quit at Redemption. And yeah, I mean, I was going to say- I did think she was fun. She was was fun. fun, But we're not, I wouldn't give her like a Justice for Wendy award. No. (laughs) So Who's winning the Sia money this year? Tiffany. Should we get Sia on the podcast to talk about it? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we have a lot of guests lined up. Yeah, you know, we got guests. We got to be. Guests. We got to pick uh, and choose. But uh, yeah. wish her the best. Uh, t- did Reaper. you say Tiffany? Yeah, Tiffany for sure. I think Tiffany as well. I think Tiffany could get it. Maybe Shan could get it at this point. I mean, she's voted out now. Shan could get it, but I just think the show wants another reason to celebrate Tiffany. And I think because Tiffany mm-hmm. was such a good sport about it all, mm-hmm. um, I have to think it would be Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Bring her. Okay. Back. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, a huge week for Survivor, I think. Uh, it's reinvigorated my love for the show and my confidence in the show. Next time on Survivor, we're seeing a new twist get introduced. So uh, it may be short-lived. But yeah. until then, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss next week's recap and uh, interviews upcoming. And don't forget that you can always DM us your voice memos just hit me up on instagram at soda.pup until next week goodbye bye